Welcome to WLNM, the web novel and manga review hosted by Zeke Changuris. Welcome to WLNM, the web light novel and manga review, the podcast dedicated to bringing our listeners, the artists, writers, creatives, and other industry pros that are part of this amazing industry we all love. We'd like to welcome back Nadana Russell, author of Makeup, the mystic narrative and transformation as a mechanism of personal and spiritual growth in the magical girl genre, our magical girl expert. So um, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about Netflix's Sailor Moon Eternal movies. Um, you ready to, to get into this? Can I just say how amazing it is that you managed to say the entire title of my thesis without <laughs> like, without like, it was a massive pun twister. It's like, kudos to you for doing that. <laughs> well, it comes from reading the names of light novels all the time. So, you know. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> so I, I completely feel you. I, I mean, Sailor Moon has it easy. Sailor Moon mm. Eternal, Sailor yes. Moon Crystal. You know, it, they make it very easy with their very short titles as opposed to uh that time uh it, it, no um is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon uh <laughs> etc so yeah i get used to the uh very very long <laughs> titles at this point yeah um, i hear that <laughs> all right uh let's say uh, to anybody who is not a uh is not a sailor um to give everyone a basis for some background on this and the eternal movies mm -hmm. Sailor Moon focuses on the story of Usagi, mm -hmm. Tukino, uh, a, a schoolgirl <laughs> who has the ability to transform into the powerful magical girl called Sailor Moon, whose responsibility is to defend the earth from the powers of darkness. She doesn't do this alone. She does this with the help of other sailors named for the other eight planets. And yes, we're mm -hmm. still including Pluto in that. So. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I wonder how she felt getting demoted. You know, oh. Did her powers weaken? What the, you know, but, you know. Especially when you consider she's probably one of, if not, yeah, she's probably one of the most powerful senshi yeah. in the whole entire group, so. Yes. But, <laughs> hey, we decided to demote Pluto. <laughs> I mean, it It really, I mean, hell, it has always confused me as other than it sounds better, Sailor Moon, because mm. than Sailor Earth. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Sailor Earth makes me think of Captain Planet and the Planeteers. <laughs> um, but the fact that she's a, she's Sailor Moon as opposed mm. to, you know, a planet. So yes. just, I, I've always thought that was an interesting dichotomy. <laughs> um, so uh, I enjoyed the films. Um, mm. I mean, I have watched Sailor Moon. Mm -hmm. I have watched it in the past. I watched mm -hmm. it a little bit in the 90s when it was out. Um, yeah. I had a good friend. His name was Chris Harvey. Uh, mm -hmm. He had uh, pictures uh, hanging up in his locker. And mm -hmm. uh, considering I grew up in a hick town, that was very telling. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I didn't. I know that watching this, these, these two films, um, which were beautifully animated, which is something I can uh, attest to, and they had the nice bright colors that yes. they had in the 90s that Sailor Moon Crystal didn't quite have. They were a little more pastel, a little muted. But um, other than, 
oh, this was interesting. And I had a fun time watching it. I really didn't get to dig into uh, it because I, I don't know if I, I don't feel I know enough. And that's why I bring on someone like you. So <laughs> tell me, um, what did you think of uh, this film and, and, and how it works, how these films work overall? Um, so it's interesting for me because I watched the original um, animes interpretation of these this particular which is the uh dark circus i believe or yeah, yeah dark yeah. circus arc um i thought i thought the movies were great i um i enjoyed watching them on netflix in fact i was really excited that the rumor that it was coming to netflix actually turned out to be true because as you know that's a big thing because it's like yeah, there's, there's things as Crunchyroll and Funimation, but when an anime, if something as big as Sailor Moon comes to Netflix, it's like, whoa, oh my goodness, you know? So it was very exciting to wait for June 1st and going, okay, I'm ready to watch this. And I enjoyed it, but it's it, it was, um, I felt like it went through a lot of material in two movies or in two 90 minute films. So there's a very, for me, it was that very interesting feeling that I also had when I watched uh, Sailor Moon Crystal in that um, the original anime um, that was aired between 1992 and 1995, it had a lot of filler, but it also had a lot of opportunity to get to know characters. And I don't just mean like the protagonists, I mean the, like, the enemies too. So, you know, they have their own little arc. And, you know, it, it would take several episodes before they, you know, would come to their demise. But you got to know these characters during that particular time. And now, and then as I was watching this, it was like, oh, Tiger Eye. Oh, he's dead in 10 minutes. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it is going through this entire arc. It's such a mock it's just like no, no no wait 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 why aren't they in the bar like commiserating and drowning their sorrows like this is the original it was it, it just felt very like the brevity was kind of like it kind of took me off balance a little bit I enjoyed it but considering we so we had so much time with these characters you know in the original anime it kind of it threw me off kilter a bit and I know that mirrors the manga but even then, I, I feel like with the manga, I don't know if it's because it's due to reading or the fact that we have the, the like the book and we're able to savor the art more. But it just felt like they're there, they're gone, we're moving on, you know? Right. I enjoyed right, right. it, but it was like, my goodness, like, can we just have like five more? It's like my son sleeping, sleeping, you know, and it's time to get up for school. Can we have like five more minutes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, so you would have preferred they did the Battleship uh, Yamato route where they released like six movies and then chopped it up into a series. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Well, I actually would have preferred them to make a full series like they did with, you know, the first arc and then the dark uh, moon arc. And then they did with, um, with the, I forget the arc. Moonbusters arc with uh, yeah. Mistress Nine and all of them. I would have actually preferred a series, even if it was 12 episodes. I feel like that brevity, because even with Crystal, even though it was cut down from like the original anime in, in the 90s anime had 200 episodes. And I think with, with the Sailor Moon Crystal, the first two cores were like 24, like the first two seasons were 24 total. And then 
the third season was 12 total. I th- I would have liked 12 episodes rather than like two movies. I get why they're doing it, but I feel like I would have been able to enjoy it more if we were allowed to have that full series. You know, you, you figure that they would know that there'd be an audience out there for well, it. Ab- absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's, it's all about, you know, if you, you work in digital, it's all about the return clicks. Mm-hmm. So if you have to come, if you're coming back consistently to mm-hmm. Netflix, you're going to mm-hmm. see more things. And mm-hmm. so if, instead of coming back twice for two movies, which I have to make time for, mm-hmm. I can make time for a 20 minute episode every couple of days. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. I, I think they, you know, I, I'm still not a hundred percent behind Netflix when it comes mm-hmm. to their anime distribution. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they did a far better, better uh, job with this than um, some of their other ventures, which have been, uh, they've had problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what like the amount of subscribers are on Crunchyroll, because I know a lot of people with Crunchyroll, but with, by having it on Netflix, I feel like it really exposed it to a lot more people because I know most of my friends have Netflix but maybe half of them have Crunchyroll. Like we just, my son just happens to have Crunchyroll for the next year because it was given to him as a birthday gift. And I, the only time I really, really had a Crunchyroll subscription was when I was still in, you know, in um, my grad school. So that I had an easy way to refer to a lot of animated series in a legal way so that I could do my research. So there, I totally understand why they put it on Netflix. I feel like it was like, it was something you couldn't avoid. (laughs) <laughs> yes well just just be careful you know uh it doesn't end up being gobbled up by disney plus because i could see disney like being like hmm this is a franchise let's market the hell out of it so <laughs> yeah i think they're still all about well actually no that's not true because uh for it here in um here in canada we're lucky because all of um studio ghibli's movies are on netflix but i think uh studio ghibli's movies in the states are on HBO Max. But yes. Yeah, are. I could see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, something that I really enjoyed in this was seeing, um, seeing our more mature sailors mm-hmm. uh, in their lives in a quasi-retirement. Mm, yeah. I really appreciated that um, because it's something that you know, you you wonder, they had that same conflict that I've been dealing with in the story that I've been creating of, you know, mm-hmm. how how do you give up the magical life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that seems to be something that they, they were dealing with for a time. Like this, the life the four of them had was really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's kind of like back to the front. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that seems like what happens every time in between, like a, every time in between um, uh, an arc. And, and I think that's what I really appreciate about Sailor Moon. Even in, in the middle of an arc, they, they still take the time to, to show you that, yes, there are these girls that have these amazing powers, but they're all, at the end of the day, they're, you know, they're, they have lives. They, yeah. Like Serena, sorry, why did I call her Serena? <laughs> I'm not sure on that one. I'm just sorry. I'm 
for some reason I just had the the original like English dub on my on my mind for a minute. <laughs> um, no, but uh, Usagi she goes to the Crown Center and she plays video games and you know she likes to. I think in in the beginning of the first movie they they go to like some kind of cat cafe or something or I I know I remember expressively seeing something where it's like oh we get to try these things and eat food or whatever and you know she loves food it's like one of the main things that that makes all of us love her and I love that about I love that about um shows like Sailor Moon and and like other especially a lot of the magical girl shows that were in the 90s and early 2000s in that it shows it humanizes the characters without resorting to darkness or tragedy because yes. it's like not everybody like god you like a lot of us have gone through bad times in our life and i am in very much included but i've had good times too and i think i relate more to seeing usagi and and you know makoto and minako and rei and uh, ami going out and hanging out and do things or going to the park or having picnics or you know you know usagi's like oh mama chan you know (laughs) i relate to seeing that more than i relate to seeing like other series like magical girl sight where it's like the girl lives in like a you know an abusive household and you know yeah. I yes, I've been we, in we, that situation. We, we, but. Yeah, but so you don't necessarily need to clobber us over the head with right. a tragic backstory. Exactly. I, I, I really think, um, to me, one of the appealing things about Usagi, though, at many times she drives me crazy for this exact same reason. She is not like the perfect girl. She is not the star student she is not the star athlete she (laughs) is like um do you remember a 80s television show uh called the greatest the greatest american hero yes my grandparents love that show ralph (laughs) was that he was a social studies teacher who came across this alien suit that gave him superpowers and he couldn't land when he was flying to save his life. It was exactly. always a disaster. <laughs> and I always, you know, that is what happens when a regular person, like yes. everybody else, yes. like Usagi, ends up being granted this magical <laughs> gift. It doesn't change who they are. Hopefully, oh. they can rise to the occasion when they need to. But you know, it's, it's, I think it's one of her appealing qualities, but it is also one of those qualities where I'm like, oh my God, step (laughs) up once in a while. I mean, in her first battle, she, she doesn't even like have the, she doesn't even like get this massive sort of burst of power, this burst of responsibility to take out the Yoma. No, she cries so much that the Yoma is like, please stop. I can't stand this. (laughs) And even and even in the movie, you 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 see those sorts of like you see those sorts of things where it's like, yeah, I know what to do, but I'm still Usagi, so there's going to be some weirdness in there. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, there's a complete <laughs> disconnect in her character between her real life and her sailor life. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's just one of those you know that I think that really helps connect her. Yes. To to those who are reading um, because 
think about it, who's reading the manga, who's <laughs> watching the television show. Mm-hmm. Is it that star super popular girl in school? <laughs> is, it, is it the one who's on the track team? No. It's, no. The in, it's an indoor kid. <laughs> uh, no, I actually, I'd argue that. And I think that's why that, I, I think that's why Sailor Moon appeals to so many people is that it has something for everybody. And I think that's where the other Sailor Senshi come in. And I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Ami, but for a while, Sailor Mercury was the most popular Sailor Senshi in Japan because she reminded, she was very popular with parents because she reminded them of, you know, the student who is very beautiful to their studies, who studied hard, who got high grades, who of course would, you know, go through the, the tests with the, like the entrance exams for like high school and college and, you know, do them swimming, swimmingly. And I just find that funny that, the, te- the, the parents loved her the most because she represented the perfect student. But meanwhile, other people are like into Makoto or Sailor Jupiter, because even though she's this tall sort of, she, she doesn't, she's tall and she's tough, but she wants to be a housewife and she's yes. a really good cook, even though she can absolutely like kick everybody's butt because of how tough and tall she is. I mean, <laughs> hey, I, I, I don't think until, I, 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 and I don't, I, I think one of the characters, at least for me in this, mm-hmm. these two movies that popped out and I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, I really like her mm-hmm. was Venus. Yes. <laughs> she is, she is, she is who Usagi should aspire to be. She's hyper competent. <laughs> well, yeah, she, but she's also been through a lot to get to that point that Usagi probably hasn't gone through yet. And, and, and it really shows in the code name Wa Sailor V um, manga. Poor Minako, man. <laughs> she, yeah, there's a reason she's a leader of the Sailor Senshi. But boy, does she go through a lot to get there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, in that, in that, in that case, I would agree that she is what Usagi should be, and then in the future, I'm sure in some way she is. But yeah, Minako is what Usagi will become after she goes through all the <laughs> through ridiculousness, the cruci- through the crucible of <laughs> yeah. of magical girlness. Yes, yes. <laughs> that I. I I think it's because she has that big bow in her hair that I really like. Uh, you know, it's a fashion statement yes. for me. Um, you know, she, re- her, yeah, she kind of reminds me of Karen Tendo from the show Gamers, which, mm. who, which was she was like this perfect, absolutely perfect girl, and then mm-hmm. she fell in love and got involved in a very weird triangle, and mm-hmm. like she get, went from like the greatest student, perfect person in the world, to like. Her life just kept unraveling, and it was great to watch. <laughs> so, oh, wow! But, yeah, it, it, it's hysterical. It's it's one of the funniest animes I've I've ever watched because <laughs> it is just it, it's if um shoot importance of being earnest mm-hmm. if Oscar Wilde mm-hmm. Oscar Wilde yeah if Oscar Wilde had written an anime gamers <laughs> would have been it. It is that oh, it's it's wow. very much it's very much in that um, comedy of errors, comedy of manners storyline. And it just makes me laugh every every damn time. Um, Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, How do you, all right. How do 
and we were talking for this before I started recording. All right, mm -hmm. I'm still, I still have that constant problem. I mean, I, I'm, well, let's go with history. Why mm -hmm. do you think we have Chibiusa in this universe? Is she necessarily, I hate to say the term necessary, but is she enough to drive plot? Or is it just oh. kind of like they wanted something cute other than, you know, Luna? Yes. <laughs> and I and I say this yes to both because if you if you look at it from a historical standpoint, Takeuchi Sensei originally wanted to end the manga on the first arc. She wanted to kill everybody off on the first arc, but the series got to be too popular. And if you know any story about a mangaka who creates a popular story. <laughs> that everybody loves, you're not ending on the first arc. Exactly. <laughs> they want um, to be employed. Yes. So in that regard, yes, she was created to add to the plot or create more plot. And I say this because the Aeolin and the Doomtree arc that was in the original Japanese anime was not in the manga at all. It was complete filler. Uh, and I, I'm just going to explain it really quickly. Uh, because uh, Japan, when it comes to its animated properties or just anything in general, they love the media mix in that they release a whole bunch of different sorts of like media at the same time to generate uh, a ton of interest and, you know, a whole bunch of eyes on a particular series or, you know, franchise. And Sailor Moon is no different. Um, so the manga is being released roughly around this. I think the manga was released a couple of months before the anime started releasing. And then Sailor, Sailor V was started a few months before that. So it, you know, it's like, it's, it's in a similar vein to like the Naruto's or the Bleaches and that, you know, things are going happening at the same time because of this media mix. Um, so when they re realized Bandai and, uh, I want to say it was, no, it was Kodansha which was who is the original Japanese publisher of this in their um, young their elementary school reader Nakayoshi they're like oh we have got fire on our hands <laughs> yeah, that whole thing where you're going to do it in one arc no 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 we got to keep this going <laughs> we're so, going to lock right. you in a we're going to lock you in a cage until you produce more <laughs> I mean she got a lot she had a lot of pushback for the ideas that she created but I feel like she got a lot of what she wanted in as opposed to other mangaka who can't say that they have. Um, but so yeah, she had to literally extend and create more plots of the series to keep it going. So of course, that's naturally where Chibiusa evolved in that this young girl from the future, well, by young, I mean 900 years old, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. comes into the past looking for the crystal. And, you know, we know that's, of course, the, you know, the, the, uh, I can't, I cannot remember Ark's names. It's so bad, but it's, it's all right. you know, it's the, the like Rubius and, you know, all the, the, it's basically the one after the first arc. So yeah, she's, it's basically her pushing the plot, prolonging it or pushing it more to give people more content. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure that I dislike Chibiusa as much as other people dislike her or they're like, what is the point of her being here? Because I feel like, especially um, during the Darkbusters arc, um, her friendship with Hotaru really, you know, you know, it really evolves her as a character. She's no longer this secretive, you know, this 
this bratty she is very bratty in the like the arc she's introduced <laughs> like i just i mean, like beyond her putting a gun in usagi's face and we all know it's fake yes if you see the original scene in the 90s anime yeah and then you see that scene in crystal you will realize why they didn't do the same thing in crystal because they could <laughs> never do that again in this, this day and age i mean you hear a gunshot and you know and, and usagi falls down and you think the worst and i'm like yeah they weren't going to do that in 2013 it's just not happening no 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 <laughs> Um, we get but, we even get rid of the guns into et so you know yeah but yeah she's um she really comes as a per she really grows as a person through her friendship with hotaru and you see her she, you know she's she's in a way her own way she's still a kid there's so much that she still has to learn um but you can tell that she's more malleable about it in some ways than Usagi is. Some fans are probably going to get on my case about that. But in looking at the at the movies, especially looking at her relationship with Pegasus or 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 I forgot what his name is, the unicorn Pegasus. <laughs> I'm gonna go with they say he's a Pegasus yeah. and a unicorn, but isn't that an alicorn? Yeah. But it seems like Pegasus is the easier thing to say because yes. most people remember it. Uh, yeah, thank you, uh, uh, Harry Hamlin and Clash of the Titans. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I, I watched a lot of that stuff with my grandparents when I was younger. So oh, um, I love that. Loved Ray Harryhausen movies. Anything you know, that was stop motion animation. Yes. Loved it. You know what? It, it, I'm going to go back to the topic for a minute, but I didn't appreciate that so much as a kid, but I really appreciate it now as an adult. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she seems more malleable and more mature. It's, it's like, in a way, she writes the wrongs of Usagi's personality a bit and that you can kind of tell that she's picking up the lessons faster than her mother is. Yes. Um, and And I feel like people kind of are hard on her but they they forget that even if she is 900 years old in at least emotionally and mentally she's a kid yeah so there's a bit more time for her to learn things and she 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 picks up on things way faster than usagi does and yes uh it, she seems kind of bratty at the beginning of the first movie because for whatever reason she did not learn maybe kind of look you know looking at Mauru in that way is not a good idea <laughs> but it's, then, a, it's know, in anime so I yeah. guess it's okay you it's know in anime, so I guess it's the normal thing to do <laughs> <laughs> but, you know eventually yeah. the pegasus comes in and she's like Mamoru who you know <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, yeah, I, I think her plot does work because you, and I see this by raising my own son in that, you know, kids pick up on the lessons faster than we, their adults or their parents picked up on as they were growing up to do due to different, different circumstances or, you know, whatever different reasons. And I would argue that maybe people shouldn't be so hard on her because in her own way, she's mature and she is more understanding and you might even have more you know, uh, an understanding of things than Usagi does. And as much as 
there are times where she is bratty and you want to smack her. Yeah. <laughs> but that's everybody in the series. <laughs> kind of like the kid in Speed Racer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, let's see. Uh, ta -ta. Yeah, I'm looking at my questions. Okay. Um, I like, I felt in a way, and, and mainly because of the Hotaru Haruka Mitru mm -hmm. Setsuna thing, that there was a, a, a maybe a message about you don't have to give up on the magical of life, mm -hmm. even when we mm -hmm. have adult responsibilities. Yeah. And, and I kind of, I really appreciated that because, I mean, you could use it as an analogy for just chasing one's dreams. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people tend to, like, interpret the end of Sailor Moon as her giving up her powers. But if you read the manga, it doesn't really, it, like, it insinuates that the cycle will move on and there'll be new sailors. And if you see the ending of the second Eternal movie that was just aired, yeah, obviously there will be because that's what the the uh, Amazonas Quartet represents, right? Um, but she, you never get, she may not be a sailor, but that doesn't make mean she's not powerful in a different way. I mean, obviously she's going to be the queen of, you know, Neo-Queen Serenity and, you know, and in, in the manga, Mamoru says, even if there are new sailors that are born, you are invincible and you will always be eternal, this eternal star. And, you know, even if like the universe is sort of safe or, you know, at peace, there's a reason why they, they, there's a reason for them to still be there. It's not like, oh, you know, you don't have to worry about anything else anymore. They're all gone. No, there's just what they represent and, and what they have accomplished and what they have done. They still, you know, they still have that power in the, in the, in that in that sort of way. If if I'm making any sense. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. No. You you are making sense. Um, <laughs> that you know it's the idea. It, one, it's it's comforting to, mm -hmm. with the idea that you know there is um, almost in the way that uh, West some Western Christians believe in angels, even though mm -hmm. they're you know even though there's an omnipotent God, there are angels there for intervention. And in a way, that's what the, the sailor senshi are. They're mm -hmm. angels of intervention. And so. it kind of reminds me of, um, there's actually a sequel to Tezuka's The Princess Knight, or The Twin Knights, or Fukatu, Futago, no, uh, Futago no Kishi. Sorry, I don't remember what knight is. Um, and in there, the main character, Princess Sapphire, who is in um, Princess Knight, is now a queen. She has twins. You know, she's a, doing the queen thing. And, and she even, her husband even says, her, oh, you don't do the, you know, the Princess Knight stuff anymore. She's like, I don't know. But then the one of the male, the, the male twin, something, he disappears or he gets caught up in something. And so the female twin, her mom takes the female twin. I forgot what her name is. But she's like, yes, I am the queen, but I'm also the princess knight. Like, so even though people think that she's not herself anymore or that she gave up that title to be, get married, become a wife, become a mother, 
she says straight out, no, I am the princess knight. So even though it looks like you gave up those things that made you powerful, just being able to recognize and say to people, no, this is who I am and this is what I do, you never give that power up. It may look different, you may get older, you might mature, but you've never given it up. It, you know, and just, I feel like you have so much power in that recognizing that no matter what you, no matter what happens, if you grow up, you know, things might be different, but you recognize you're still this person and you will always be this person. And, you know, she trains her daughter to become as powerful a knight as she is because that's what she does. And yes, in some Magical Girl series, it does seem like a lot of characters end up giving up their powers. Um, not so or much be- in Monica. I think they or, still or do. She, she becomes a freaking goddess. Yes. <laughs> like, mean, she, <laughs> she becomes a goddess. So, yes. you know, I, I, I don't think that's a step down. No, I even say that in my thesis, like a lot of these characters don't actually give up their powers. If anything, like in um, Joseph Campbell's, uh, like the, the mythic narrative, it's like, you know, they be male character because it's very male based because something like a god. But in these magical girl series, a lot of them end up becoming something like a goddess or a goddess, not like a goddess, a goddess. Like they have gone, gone through the apotheosis chamber and they're like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, it's, it, and you know, I, I actually take more comfort in goddesses mm-hmm. in the feminine uh, idea of someone, you know, spiritual ruling over me, mm-hmm. uh, just because it feels more nurturing, mm-hmm. and, you know, less fire and brimstone. But I also have known quite a few women that are fire and brimstone. So, but but as 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 we get into this this larger discussion, um, mm-hmm. I did a in in prepping for this. One of the things I did is I, I did a search of um, it just a Google search of, for a list of best magical girl stories. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, one of my favorite uh, Yuki Yuna is a hero. Hero. Was up there. Um, uh, Precur, uh, Sakura, and mm-hmm. Sailor Moon were on that list. Mm-hmm. But then we have uh, Revolutionary Girl Utina and Kill mm-hmm. a Kill. And to the, uh, uh, well, I knew Kill, you probably had plenty of discussions about Kill a Kill. But I, I'm not sure whether Utina, I mean, how are we defining a magical girl story? I don't remember, like, I remember a lot of trippy experimental animation and storytelling in <laughs> Utina, but I don't quite remember a, a sequence of uh, a, a magical girl sequence where, you know, flips out a compact and changes <clears throat> into her superpowered uh, self. <clears throat> and I thought well, that was she's... a very interesting <laughs> way of defining it. I've only read the Utina manga because I, 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 for whatever reason, I just can't get into the trippy experience that the anime is. And it is, it is true. Actually, let me stop. I actually have seen the Utina movie. I, um, I think I was still living in the States. It was past midnight and it was on like Encore or something like that. And 
it was pretty popular at the time, despite the fact that this is like the early 2000s. So it's, you know, the availability of, of watching series is nowhere near the way it is now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just remember watching it, wondering why this pink girl is on, this girl is on my screen with short hair, even though she's a girl looking like a guy. And then an hour and a half later, wondering why this girl with pink hair is transforming into a car. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe that was her magical girl transformation sequence. But, um, um, I think also that just the idea of her being the married to the print to oh god, what is it again? The, the Rose Bride. The, the Rose so Bride. Kind of, so yes. that transformation into like a, a prince character to fight for the honor of the bride. I guess I guess is it's transformative. Yeah, that's one of the looser ones because. Most people put her in the warrior category and yeah. she transforms into this warrior to fight for the Rose Bride. But yeah, Udna and, was one of those things. It still, it still doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. So. <laughs> so yeah, Udna is one of those things where I can see it, but I would have to look at the anime and fully understand it because it, it's definitely outside of the bear. It's, it's, it's towing, it's kind of like Kill a Kill in a way, even though Kill a Kill is more forward in it, it's towing the line in a way. Like it, it's kind of like that, but not fully, but a lot of fans have accepted it as such. So I, I don't argue with it. It's like, hey, no, you're right. But I, I think it's one of the looser interpretations um, in that there, yeah, there's a warrior, and then I, and in in a looser sense, her transformation into this warrior when she gets the sword out of the bride's chest. Yeah, and then just her transformation into her ideal prince. It's 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 more sustained rather than it something like a something like a transformation sequence happening every sort of like episode. It, I feel like now that you're talking about it, it feels more like Majoko to me. And Majoko stands for Little Witch. And in Majoko series, it's usually this, either this young girl is given the power to transform or do something magical that she wouldn't normally be able to do, or she's from a magical world and comes to the human world to become stronger. I don't get that either. Like, why are you coming to the human world to become a stronger magic user when humans don't use magic? But you know, far be it from me to say anything about it. <laughs> so I think in, in, in that sort of way, in Utna's sort of way, yes, she's a warrior, but she's also kind of this Majoko in that she's been given this magical power and that she's a the prince of the Rose Bride. So she takes, play, takes you know, part in these duels to, keep the rose bride but then the plot goes to you know her getting involved in finding her prince and it's like i i don't i don't <laughs> yeah I, well i mean there, I, I, I still didn't understand uh, i still didn't understand <laughs> why she was i never got the sense that she was in love with uh anthony anthony oh, okay An see yeah, yeah. i never anime? even get there's a connection there you know it's it's it feels like she just the, wants to take all comers anyway. Like, yeah, want to fight. <laughs> in, in the original anime, I'm I'm not sure. In the manga, oh no, absolutely not. In the manga, she literally friend zones Anthe. Like, you know what? I'm so sorry this stuff has happened to you. I'll be your friend. It, it, but <laughs> in the movie, something happens where they're, I guess, they're like, okay, I guess it's 
I guess we like each other. And, you know, they even have a kiss at the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I forgot Ukuhara, if, yeah, Ukuhara, the guy, that particular guy, he is very much about having queer themes in the anime that he produces. And Utna is no different. But I, I totally see that I don't, I, in an original anime, which I have to look at again, because she's, <sighs> okay, yes, Anthe is, she's close to Anthe, because, you know, she's protecting this person, and I guess feelings can kind of, when you're in that situation, feelings can develop, but you find out that she's doing, she's just trying to, you know, she's her brother, her brother who turns out to be the guy who saved uh, Utna when she drowned when she was a young girl. And when she's, when that happened, she's like, oh, I want to be a prince like that person who saved me, you know? And he turns out to be an absolute jerk. <laughs> and I'm saying that very lightly. Um, but yeah, the, I, I don't see how that happened in the anime, but in the movie, I can, it, it developed, it definitely ramps up. It, it definitely ramps okay. up. But in the manga, no. And I, the story is that the original um, writer of the manga wasn't comfortable with the queer themes, which is why Anthe pretty much gets friend zoned at the end. And in the adolescence of An Anthe manga, she actually ends up with Toga and Toga was the guy who ends up being her prince. It's, it's just weird. It's just crazy. The whole thing was a little <laughs> odd to <Yes>. me. <laughs> and it has nothing to be with judging of anyone's intentions right. I, mean, I am i have a history of like trying to promote as much queer literature as i can yeah. when it comes to anime but i just couldn't make heads or tails of the story half the time so Oots, yeah utna is one of those those series where it's like i mean literally there's a character that transforms into a cow in the middle. so it's, yeah. it's a weird show <laughs> uh, okay um uh, one more, uh, one more uh, discussion point. And sure. since you've you've looked at, you know, you've you've studied these shows, mm -hmm. how would you then? What are the key elements? How would you define what makes magical girl stories? Oh my god! If I'm to if, if say, <laughs> uh, yeah, if I'm going to be like, yeah, this is a magical girl show, and it doesn't necessarily, you know, have someone in a tutu and you know flying with a kaleido stick um how am i going to what what am i going to say you know this is what a magical girl show is well there is a lot of kaleidoscopes and transformation and cute little brooches that might turn you into whatever you want or mirrors or even like magical but i think um one of the things that really stick to it uh, and i talk about this in my thesis a lot is this idea of transformation as like a motivator for growth so yes most of the time a magical girl before she's given whatever power she's given and let's be honest nowadays it's mostly some sort of trinket given by like a magical sort of creature whether it's the cuties or the lunas or you know um faves or anything like that um they're given this sort of thing that represents, that's literally a physical representation of their power. Um, and they use it to transform, whether it's an actual transformation sequence um, or, you know, just, you know, they're a witch. And then this is sort of like, 
this represents the power that they have uh, as it does in Sugar Sugar Room, they have like wands. Um, but it also represents their grow, the represents how this magic will help them grow as a person. Because as I talk about in my thesis, many of them start off as like, they're either selfish or like weak-willed or just, you know, they're only in their own, like they're only in their own world. Like they may, they may be good students, but they don't care about anything else or like there's, they're flawed. They are very flawed. And it, that becomes very apparent at the beginning of the story. And like Usagi, she, you know, they might even admit it from the get-go, like at the beginning of Sailor Moon, what does she, she say? That she's clumsy and a crybaby. <laughs> she's clumsy as she's a crybaby and she's an, she's an idiot in school. Like yeah. she's 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 poor, uh, a very poor student as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not only that, I, I just not only that, like she just doesn't, I don't, she just doesn't want to put the effort in. Like that's yes. how I also interpreted it. Yes. She just doesn't want to put the effort in. He's like, Yeah, I could be smart, but why when I can eat food, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um but there's this, this very this connection between becoming this magical avatar and dealing with the responsibilities that are linked to this magical avatar and how that makes a person mature and grow so that over time when everything ends, they are not the same person that they were at the beginning of the story. Because if you notice in Sailor Moon, yes, she's like, ah, oh, do I have to do this or I can't believe I'm doing this. But the more that she transforms and the more that she discovers that she's not just, you know, Usagi, she's also the sailor of love and justice, Sailor Moon, but she's also Princess Serenity and the Sailor Senshi were her protectors of the, like, from the other princesses of the other planets on the Moon Kingdom. You see her grow into this protective person. Yes, she's a crybaby. Yes, she's a klutz. Yes, she's, you know, she could be of so much of a better student. But she doesn't let those things stop her. She does her best to do her mission and protect the people that she loves. And you see that as the story progresses. And she goes through so much. And I don't want to get into it too much now because that could be a, a topic in and of itself. But I get really agitated when people talk about how you know, series like Sailor Moon are just very superficial and it's all good vibes and everything. And, you know, it's it, it, it's like, it's nothing like the Dark Magical Girl series to which I respond, have you seen how many times this woman has watched all of her friends die? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen her watch how many times she's seen her boyfriend either become completely useless or just up and die? You know? Yeah. Like, have you seen how much tragedy she has gone through every single arc? And you're telling me that this isn't dark in its own way? You know, every or ev in every series in its own way has gone through that. Sugar Sugar Rune, which is a another like low key, but I love that series by um, Hideyako's wife, Moyoka Ano. Um, it talks about friends who are lifelong friends, like one ends up going bad and betrays the other. You know, it's it gets rough. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and you see them rise above it, even like, you know, not only like, yes, there's this magical thing, but also they find the magic in themselves. And you see that in so many of the magical world series. And, you know, but I don't feel like if you're just a magical character and you don't have that connection between becoming this magical avatar and then growing as a person, 
I will not see it as a magical girl series. And in a way, that's also why I also see things like Kill the Kills, a magical girl series. Yes, Studio Trigger is all about the action, but to see Ryuko wear this, her kamui transform, and it does have a transformation sequence yes, in this episode. And, you know, seeing this, this, her kamui strengthen her and, you know, accept, she comes to accept herself in spite of having a very perverted father who has made very questionable decisions. <laughs> her whole family is, her whole family is pretty effed up, so. Yeah, you know. and then finding out that, yeah, that's, that episode. <laughs> yeah. I remember when that episode aired and then I had to do a sailor, uh, had to do a magical girl panel two days after. I was just like, I, I... <laughs> but yes, to see her rise above that through the use of the Kamui, do fighting the people at Honoji, Honoji uh, Gakuen and all that. That it's that connection of transforming into this magical person and then how that connects to you growing as a person and finding the magic in you that nobody can take away. That is a wonderful point. And I think it's something that we can all kind of internalize ourselves um, mm -hmm. that, you know, we all do need to, well, one, cut ourselves some slack mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, understand that we can keep moving forward. I mean, we may feel like we get stuck in the mud, mm -hmm. but, you know, there are some times where we rise to the occasion and those times can be those are our transformation sequences yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. doing this my my thesis on magical girls was definitely mine and the road to getting there was absolutely mine so i i take a lot of this to heart well again thank you for talking with me um you can follow nadana on twitter at misu the witch and i can tell you openly how much i love the magical girl shows uh i have loved them for a long time and in some cases it's just because you know i find the costumes cute yes so, <laughs> there's that uh so if you're interested in uh, listening to uh, more guests uh, like Nadana, um, subscribe to WLNM. And we hope to continue to highlight the best that independent creators have to offer. Until next time, keep reading.